Welcome to another episode of Pod Club, the podcast about podcasts for people who listen to a lot of them. I'm Lauren. And I'm Brittany. And we're cousins who took our obsession with podcasts and started a club. So join us. Hey, Brittany girl. It's been a minute. Hi, Lauren. Yes, it has been a minute. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, just working, honestly. Went to the gym this morning. So we're just vibing out here, staying present. Mm-hmm. But this week is, it actually got a bit busier than I expected. Mm-hmm. Like the days went by, I found myself not knowing what the day was this week. So yeah. that's kind of how my week was. What about you? Um, I knew every single day of this week because it was so busy <laughs> and it was so cold and that I spent most of the week inside. It mm. was eight degrees yesterday and it is currently 15 degrees today so it's a bit disrespectful excuse me it's disrespectful so it's also supposed to be like record-breaking cold here too like they're saying that there might be a snowstorm i'd imagine it would hit dallas because that's up north i don't know if it'll hit houston but we're supposed to get super duper cold here nowhere near like eight degrees or 15 but definitely i'm seeing 20s and 30s well, and it gets windy here. I don't know if it gets windy where you are. Oh, it absolutely is windy here. But mm. we're, I've been told for the last two years that I've lived here, oh, it doesn't get that cold. It's not that bad. And I'm like, it snowed every <laughs> year that I've been here. <laughs> I have had to wear a parka with the fur <laughs> every the year fur. since <laughs> being here. And I wake up to eight degrees. You're lying. Someone's lying. Yeah. Someone's, Someone's lying. lying. And or global warming is real hello somebody because if snow is coming to houston we really we're not gonna make it in the next generation (laughs) but i'm keeping warm because i have my tea (laughs) yay what you got in there today i kept it simple today i have black tea just an english breakfast but i added a little bit of um, french vanilla creamer to it just to give it a Mm. little cozy vibe I like that. You know what? I've never had tea with creamer. I never thought to do that. You should get into it. People, I mean, mm. honestly, if you're a hardcore coffee drinker, you're never going to fully be into tea, but this is a gateway. Like if you're trying to wean yourself off of coffee a little bit or mm-hmm. reduce the amount of coffee you're drinking, definitely do a black tea with a creamer. Other teas I wouldn't recommend with a creamer because it's you're getting too many flavors involved. But mm-hmm. definitely a black tea with mm. whatever creamer okay. you like. And it's very tasty. Okay. okay. Love the mug. That's super cute. Thanks. Got the L on there. <laughs> I think my mom gave it to me. Yeah. Yeah. She um she loves monogram stuff. That's cute. That's cute. Well, I have I'm so disappointed because my presentation is very much off. But here we have an iced coffee. There's caramel at the bottom. <laughs> It was a little decoration on the side, but we have a regular black coffee with some hazelnut creamer, some caramel syrup, and some whipped cream at the top. So come on, um, at home Starbucks. I'm a little barista. <laughs> you <okay>? are. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, love it. Love it. Mm. Anything new you're watching on TV? Mm, no, I just finished the last season of Archer. Um, it's an animated spy show, but nothing new. Okay. I watched the last season. I'm very sad. I feel like it should have just kept going and going and going into infinity and beyond. What about you? 
Uh, the, the most recent show I finished was The Peripheral. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's on Amazon Prime. It's pretty much, it's, it's sci-fi. That's the genre. Time out. But they. I know you did not jump to an entirely different sci-fi show when I told you about Severance. Okay. Let me explain. No, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Let me explain. I don't even remember you suggesting that. I'm so roll sorry. the tape. So roll sorry. the clip. It's, it's not on the podcast. You. It's on the I, podcast. I am not saying that you didn't. I'm saying I forgot. <laughs> I think you should extend me a little bit of grace. I forgot. Now, wait. What platform? Apple TV. That is why I have not watched it because your girl does not have Apple TV. I might consider getting it. Um, ma'am, do you know how often there are like six month free trials of Apple TV? They want uh-huh. everybody to get it and ain't nobody getting it. So there's free ones all over the place. Okay. It I might be free that. with your um cell phone company for a few months. True. Cause I'm certainly getting Max for free because of my cell phone company. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to AT and T. But I watched the peripheral. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, it's on Amazon Prime, and it's basically it's sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But basically, the storyline is it's a virtual reality game, but like the game also emulates real life. I'm gonna watch it again. It's only eight episodes, only one season, and it ended abruptly. Wait, so it's not coming back for another season? I don't think so. And I think it came out in 21 or maybe just before the pandemic. I'm mm. not sure, but like, oh well, if it's I was gonna, I have to go back and see. Never mind. I have to go back and see. I was thinking maybe it ended abruptly because of the strike, but no, this sounds like it was before the strike. I'll I'll look it up and, and verify, but I was very disappointed because it was one of those shows. Like I've been looking for a show that gave me that same feeling like succession, mm. like on the edge of my seat. And that show gave me that a little bit. I'm not going to lie. So I will, uh, to show my loyalty to you, cousin, I will look into Apple TV uh what's the name of it again severance severance okay we're making a note listener <laughs> Brittany will look into apple tv and we'll I'll, I'll report back that's my homework i can do that because you're my cousin and our our moms are sisters our moms are sisters <laughs> so you have to watch all the things i have to yeah. <laughs> she's gonna ask me listener we text every day she's gonna ask so it's fine <laughs> it's fine it's fine but we're not here to talk about TV shows. We're going to talk about podcasts because we listen to a lot of them. Yes. I'm excited about this one. Mm-hmm. So, listener, it is 2024. Can you even? Like, what is that? What better way to start the year than to close out some unfinished business? We're kicking off this year talking about closure, but not in the way you might be thinking. Submitted for the approval of Pod Club. We discussed the podcast, No Stupid Questions. Do you need closure? So the podcast, No Stupid Question, is hosted by research psychologist Angela Duckworth and Mike Maughan, who's a tech and sports executive. And in this podcast, which is a part of the Freakonomics Radio Network, they really like to ask people questions and they believe there's no such thing as a stupid one, which I feel Mm -hmm. like I agree with that. (laughs) Um, Although maybe I don't. There'd be some stupid questions. <laughs> That's why I was quiet. <laughs> um, so in this episode, they had an email prompt. Uh, a listener asked a question. 
Is the Zygarnik effect true? And can this apply to human relationships? Do relationships without closure linger longer than those that have closure? So let me kind of explain the Zygarnik effect. It's the idea that people remember incomplete or interrupted tasks better and longer than completed tasks. It was the Lithuanian Soviet psychologist who Zygarnik effect is named for. Yeah, I think her name was Bluma. Bluma Zygarnik. Yeah. So they go into way more of the history than we will on this podcast about the Zygarnik effect, the lore behind it, the myth behind it. But it's essentially Mm -hmm. that, the idea that people remember incomplete or interrupted tasks longer and better than they do completed tasks. Mm -hmm. So before we get deep into it, what were your first impressions of No Stupid Questions? It was my first time listening. You put me on. Uh, A very easy listen. I liked their voices. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that they have really good rapport or at the very least how they presented it to us. Like it flowed very easily. I don't know if they're good friends outside of the show. And if they are, it clearly reflects in the podcast. Again, this is only my first time listening to this particular episode under that their brand or network. Um, but I really liked it, obviously, because I'm a therapist. So like a lot of it was like, oh, I could apply this to when I meet with my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really did like it. I think it's informative and I think it invites a conversation that I think is a bit overdue for some people. And I think sometimes there's a misconception about how you can get closure and what it's supposed to look like. I think people have a very narrow viewpoint of it Mm -hmm. and not to their fault, right? That's just kind of how we've been taught about what closure is, but I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you? Um, I've listened to, uh, no stupid questions for a little bit now. It hasn't been around that long, not as long as Freakonomics, which I listen Mm -hmm. to literally every morning. But when I listened to this episode, it was because Freakonomics was, uh, broadcasting it. So it was a special episode of Freakonomics of no stupid questions. So that's the reason I stumbled on it. Um, I don't know that I would have found it as quickly you know, otherwise. But the thing that I like about No Stupid Questions is the same thing I like about Freakonomics. It's incredibly well organized, Mm -hmm. easy to follow. Their segments um, are just very clear. You know, when we're moving Mm -hmm. on to this next thing, Angela does a great job of curating the experience for you. So, you know, we're now going to be talking about this in particular. Okay, now let's segue into this. So it really holds your hand in answering the question that's been posed at the top of the podcast. So I like it for the same reason that I like Freakonomics. It feels the exact same as Freakonomics, except they're not answering questions from an economic perspective like Freakonomics Mm. does. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that you, obviously there are going to be parallels because they're under the same umbrella network, right? But I, I fully appreciate it that, even with them presenting how they presented it, right? Like you said, it's like a holding of a of your hand kind of experience. They didn't really try to convey you. It's more like, here's the information. Yeah. You can take what you can get from it and write, write us in and see if it applies, whatever the case is. So I really do like that because I, I feel like sometimes these podcasts try to get you to, you know, pick a viewpoint. And it was kind of like, here's the information take what you would, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. And in this episode in particular, when you are looking at the title, do you need closure? It's very much fixed around your idea of what closure even is. So going mm-hmm. into it, 
And this is what I like about Freakonomics as well. You might be thinking one thing, but then once you're in the conversation with them and listening to the mm -hmm. research, you're like, oh, this has completely expanded my view on even what this topic mm -hmm. is. So I want to ask you, since they also mm -hmm. invite this question at the end of the podcast, what is your relationship to closure? I think it's, it's forever growing. Mm -hmm. And I think the type of closure I need depends on the situation or the circumstances. And I've grown to learn that a lot of times I'll ultimately have to create my own form of closure to have my own perspective of what the situation was. Mm -hmm. And a big part of the theme that I noticed from the podcast itself, which made me think about it later, there there was a theme there, right? Like it, it takes time to reflect and to get to that point, mm -hmm. right? So I, I used to be the type of person, oh, I need closure. I need to talk to this person so they can explain to me what happened, whatever. And a lot of times that was specific to to dating or being in a relationship, right? But then I learned that people aren't going to always tell the truth mm -hmm. <laughs> and nor will they know why they did what they did, yeah. really, right? Um, so I think it's forever growing and it'll keep expanding depending on what I'm experiencing. Yeah. My relationship with closure is very self-made. But self-made, having been fashioned kind of in a family that assumed closure, if that makes mm. sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think I grew up in a household where there was a lot of things that could have been perceived as incomplete. And if I were to speak to my brothers, maybe they would have an entirely different perspective. But I think our mom modeled closure and moving forward, even in the incomplete things that might be in existence. So I think that model primed me to be a person who I'm going to have the closure, whether it's external or not. My relationship to closure is one that I create for myself. Mm -hmm. Can that be problematic in some areas? Yeah, I think that everything has a balance. There's a protective element to it, right? That mm -hmm. is like, I'm closing this out. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what you've got yeah. going. I'm closing this out because... I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, it also depends on what it is because sometimes I encourage that mm -hmm. sometimes you have to be cutthroat like that yeah but I think there's a balance that I for sure play with often but I, yeah. I think my relationship is one that's self-made like I'm going to have closure period mm -hmm. end of discussion mm -hmm. um I've never felt like I needed it to be external mm. okay I think that's what I, ultimately what it comes down to for me I've never felt like you have to close this out for me. You'd have to explain this to me. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very much, okay, you have changed in behavior. I feel mm. it. I notice it. I see it. I don't need to understand it. I'm no mm. longer going to participate in this because it doesn't feel mm. right. This is my closure. Farewell. <laughs> you know, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's across any kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. But what I like about the podcast is that when going into it, this is how I was thinking about closure, right? In relationship. But the podcast talks about closure across everything. Because remember, mm -hmm. the Zygarnik effect is about incomplete tasks. Mm -hmm. And whether or not the task, that, that effect rather, translates to human relationships. Mm -hmm. And opening up the concept of closure to what you're doing in the course of a day, what your work relationships look like, was really eye-opening to me mm -hmm. because I just didn't think of those elements as needing closure. Yeah. So yeah. Mike Mon, the co-host, he talked about how he likes to use 
lists and things like that to get closure on specific tasks. Is that a, a mechanism that you use in your day to day to feel like I've completed things, I can now move on? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it ends up being a simultaneous thing. It, it it depends on what my day calls for. Do I feel better when like I look back at my list? Because I do like daily. So like Monday has its own to-do list. Tuesday has its own to-do list. Wednesday and so forth and so forth, right? And sometimes those tasks that might be for Monday might go into Tuesday, but I try to check off what I can. When they're not done, I sometimes in the day of, oh, I forgot to do this, but I don't put any pressure on myself because I know I try to dedicate time for the next day to get them done, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Do you ever feel distracted? Because this was another thing that Mike Mon brought up and Angela brought this up. Do you ever feel distracted knowing that there's something that you have to complete that you didn't get a chance to complete? And so now you're on to a new task or you're in a new environment where that incomplete task doesn't apply, but you're just constantly thinking about it. It's constantly churning. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it happens like that for me. I, I Again, I think it just depends on what it is mm-hmm. because what I thought may have been a Monday priority might not be a Tuesday priority, if that makes sense, right? Like that Monday priority might be like the fifth thing to do because it's going to get done at least before the week is out, right? So I've had to adjust what the priorities are. I don't end up getting distracted. It's usually I'm going to get to it because I know that I'm a person that I will complete whatever it is I need to complete. The issue or the the pivot I've had to make has been, is everything a priority? Mm -hmm. If it's not relax, <laughs> like calm down a little bit. Because if you can't get it all done in my, in Monday, there's there, there are other days during the week mm-hmm. that you can get this done. So I, I don't know if I necessarily get distracted. And maybe a part of if we could call it multitasking, I used to be a server. So like, I'm used to moving and thinking about so many different layers of tasks that it does it ends up getting done because I know that I'm, I'm gonna get to it. And adjust a priority. Wait, clarify server. It. You mean a waiter? Oh yeah, I used to be a waitress. Oh, okay. And so there's there's always a particular order, right? You greet the the customers, you you take their drink orders. That ends up being the priority. Mm-hmm. And then the checking in, right? So I, it it really does depend. So on let's the pause day. there for a second because I actually forgot you used to be a waitress. That's actually mm-hmm. the lore of the Zygarnik effect, right? Yeah. Like when yeah. you guys listen to the podcast, you'll hear the story of how this effect came to be, but. Did that example resonate with you where in the time that you need the information, because it's not completed yet, you have it. You you know how to recall mm-hmm. it. You know who who needs what. And the second it's over, you if someone were to ask you, what did table seven need? Would you remember? I think I would. And that was the only thing that I pushed back on that example, because when in the um, experiment, when she said like the person completely forgot who that person was and where they sat, all of that, I have a good memory with faces. Mm-hmm. I would have remembered. Mm-hmm. I may not have remembered that they left something, but I would have remembered, oh, that was the person from yesterday. Mm-hmm. I don't know what type of cognitive thing that is, but I can really remember. Apparently. <laughs> I might not know that. You have a photographic, photographic memory. Yeah. <laughs> Aunt- Auntie Rhonda, if you're listening, don't you say child, please. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very photographic memory, okay? <laughs> to whatever extent that is. I want to clarify something for the listener because the other side of the Zygarnik effect is this idea that the moment you close out a task, you no longer need to hold it in your cognitive bandwidth. You know, you don't need to have it in your mind 
taking up cognitive bandwidth. You can move on to other tasks. And so the idea is that you remember incomplete tasks because it's still churning and buffering in your in your brain Mm -hmm. using up that bandwidth. And allegedly, the second you complete it, you no longer have it in your head. I don't think Mm -hmm. it's as cut and dry as that. Yeah. But it's an interesting concept. I do want to go back to something that Mike had mentioned. Uh, He was saying like, you know how you study for a test, like you might cram it in, whatever, whatever your process to studying, once you complete the test, like they're from your mind, like that, that chapter is closed. I don't really need this information. I do think that Mm -hmm. that was the best example of the Zygarnik effect, because when I tell you, I don't know math to save my (laughs) life. No. Why? Because I don't need it. No, I don't need geometry. I didn't need this stuff. So all of that stuff Mm -hmm. falls away. I don't know how much Mm -hmm. that could be attributed to this kind of effect, but that's the only example that I saw, you know, when I was first listening, I'm like, that makes sense. But in other scenarios, not so much, not for me anyway. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it's that cut and dry for me. I I really do think it depends on the situation. Yeah. Because some things are just fleeting. You get like a short experience. It was that experience and okay, next. Mm -hmm. Right. But we don't think about it as closure. We just think about it as, oh, okay. (laughs) I don't think there's any other thought. It's like, oh, okay, that was nice. Yeah. Or, oh, that wasn't pleasant. It's, it's you even saying that just sparked this thought of what we're aware of calling closure versus what we subconsciously consider closure are two different things. Mm, okay. You Go saying that just made me think about this because I might be aware that I need to close out something, but in my mind, subconsciously, something can be irrelevant that I'm not necessarily thinking about. Mm -hmm. And so it just goes away because subconsciously we know that's absolutely irrelevant. (laughs) So I don't (laughs) care about that. I think about that when I'm in meetings and I Mm. hope no one I work with listens to this. (laughs) But like, say I know I have a set of things that I need to do, but I have a meeting in the next five minutes before I can get through those things. So I do resonate with Mm -hmm. that example that they gave in the pod. But like while I'm in the new meeting, if that new meeting is unorganized, boring as all hell, (laughs) or confusing in any way, I am 100% thinking about the thing that I need Mm -hmm. to finish. Mm -hmm. Because whatever is currently happening is not presented in a way that seems more important than the thing I need to close out. So Mm. that concept of like what I'm aware of that needs closure versus what I'm subconsciously aware of it's very interesting. It's like this this thing that's playing. And I'm wondering, I guess this is actually a good segue because the pod introduces the concept of psychological immune system, mm-hmm. which was so interesting. It's coined by two um, psychologists um, and it's said to keep us healthy psychologically. It regulates our temperature, blood pressure, metabolism, and the processing of emotion. Mm. Before the podcast, had you heard of psychological immune system, Dr. B? Not used in that way, mm-hmm. but I hadn't realized when she said it, that's how I view the mind in general, which is mm. why I try to get people to understand that your brain is a part of your entire bodily system, mm-hmm. right? So you have to find ways to regulate. It'll regulate itself, which is where like disassociation comes in, right? Depending on the type of trauma a person experienced. Yeah. That is the brain trying to protect itself. So we sometimes forget certain things, especially if they're really traumatic, right? So I've never used that term specifically, but I liked it. And I think that might 
change or shift or even pivot people's perspective about how the brain works on top of encouraging people to take care of it, yeah. right? Because it can't be an immune system if you're not properly caring for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think the same way, it unlocked such an obvious concept to me. I'm a huge proponent of mental health, taking care of your brain, the whole nine. But there's something about hearing the term psychological mm-hmm. immune system that's like, oh, mm-hmm. duh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Mm-hmm. Give it the medicine. Give it the the, the right. coping mechanism. Get it. Give it all of these things so that it could be its most healthy self. In yeah. the same way, I start using it. Yeah, in the same way that we give ourselves vegetables and vitamins and all these. It's like yes, mm-hmm. yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I liked it. I really did like it. Yeah, and so one of the examples, well, not one of the examples, but Mike Mon gave his example of dealing with a relationship in the workplace and the emotions that came up as a result of that. But the whole point of bringing up psychological immune system is this idea that closure is a thing that helps you more quickly regulate that psychological immune system. Mm. The desire for closure is so that immune system can feel healthiest. That psychological Mm. immune system is healthiest. At least that's how I understood as to why they brought up that concept. So like Mm. that nagging desire to finish something out, it sounds like what they're presenting is that there's some element of, I need to close this out in order to be healthy, in order to process Mm. properly, in order to be okay for moving on. Hmm. Is that how you understood it? Okay. Yes. And even as I was listening... I think people think when they think of closure, they think that they're never supposed to think about that thing again. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that is where the misconception is like, okay, well, if I'm done with it, I've got my closure. I I shouldn't be thinking about this two months from now. And I don't know how true that is. Right. Because sometimes the mind just thoughts just pop up all the time. But I think there does have to be some intentionality to properly regulate this psychological immune system. Say that. Say that again. So I think. I'm I'm saying that I think people have to implement tools that reflect the closure that they're desiring, mm. right? So like, do you journal? Like, how do you find ways to really boost this psychological immune system, right? Do you write things down? Did, does it, how do you get it off of you, right? Because yeah. if it's just swirling in your mind, you're not really helping it, yeah. right? I don't know if that makes any sense. It does make sense. And just to kind of try to even understand it a little better, I guess in the case that Mike Mon gave where he's talking about there's a set of tasks at work that he needs Mm -mm. another person to do and they keep just not doing it, but not talking about not doing it. There's no understanding like, oh, this is going to be late for this reason. Or there's just no communication about the task at hand. He's getting increasingly frustrated. And then it starts to explode Mm -hmm. until he eventually confronts the person and say, hey, why are you not talking to me about this? And then the person ends up telling him the reason why. They bring that up because they're talking about his emotions just like bubbling, 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 mm-hmm. going. And so in that kind of example, what would we be saying is his tool? Is the tool him having confronted the issue? I think so. Okay. I only say that because that was the only way he was able to get to the 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 other layer of recognizing there's a different frustration now. Mm-hmm. The good thing is he didn't react on impulse by sending the long text because he said he (laughs) wanted to send the long text. Um, But whatever stopped him, he stopped. But he approached the person. And so that gave him, I don't even remember if he said like, it sounded like he was like, all right, I hear you. And that gave me closure. But now I'm frustrated about something else. 
Yeah. Right. So I think that was the tool. Yeah. That, that I resonate with quite a bit because even in my self-closure, there's always that small twinge of unsatisfactory dynamic, I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't love this, but I'm closing the chapter on it. Mm-hmm. because I'm mm-hmm. not going to get a satisfactory response because maybe the response is so simple that my brain is angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause so, cause so then you, then the top on the topic of closure, then people have to realize what are you, what are you seeking Yeah, from this? Right. Yeah. And I've learned to not really, my mom has taught me this and I, and you can ask questions, right? But usually I'm not going in asking questions because I think you're going to tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. They're more rhetorical because I've already decided that this situation just is what it is. It's not making sense to me, but I've already got my perspective. We're just here to have an open dialogue to see if we can understand yeah. what's happening. But I'm not asking you because I'm expecting you to be fully truthful because I don't need that. Because yeah. too much time, either too much time has gone by or enough actions have taken place to where, okay, I see what it is. Yeah. That's it, that's so interesting to me because I'm definitely not a too much time has gone by girl. I think I'm a bit more, I won't say reactive because I do think before I react, but I'm a bit more quick to resolve within myself mm. to let any mess linger along mm-hmm. more than what I'm comfortable with. And I think that's because... I'm just realizing this as we're talking about it. I think that's because whatever my psychological immune system is, it might not be as healthy as I think. Meaning the zero to deep hurt and rage is very quick. Mm. So the resolve needs to happen within that quickness, right? Mm, I see. Um, And that's across anything like work, you know, me finishing a task for myself. I think that's where some of the negative self-talk comes into play of just like, oh, why didn't you, why didn't you get, that happens very quickly for me. Mm-hmm. So me being quick to closure is probably a defense mechanism for sure across many different ways of closing things out for myself. So like mm-hmm. when I think about the workplace example, we don't even go a full day without me addressing the fact that you haven't said anything. I'm not necessarily going to come to you aggressively because I genuinely want this to be a better dynamic, but in, in his situation where someone was just avoiding the task, I'm not a long text girl, but I am, Hey, I noticed there was a drop off in communication. Am I not fostering an environment where you can talk to me about what's Mm. going on? If you need more time on it, let's talk about it. We're in this together. Like that's my approach to everything, but I recognize it's because if I don't, tackle this right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's not gonna come Mm -hmm. out the way anybody wants it to come out (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's actually interesting yeah no that's fair I'm a little slower to react because I don't want to because I can be impulsive and I know that about myself and this could very well be an ego thing I don't want to be wrong so I'm gonna take my time for a little bit Mm -hmm. so I can verify okay it's not about me because if it was hopefully this person would have said it by now and I'm like really calculating, okay, what were my actions? I don't know if this is healthy or not, but I, I'm <laughs> literally thinking, okay, did I do something to this person? Because my thought process is if you're if you're avoiding communicating with me or you're you're acting funny, whatever the case is, your actions or lack thereof are kind of giving me room to translate this however I want to translate it. Right. But right? I don't give myself room to translate. 
Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know. That might actually be a good thing. I don't give myself room to tell stories about why this thing is happening. Hey, mm-hmm. let's sit down and talk about why you're not responding mm-hmm. to my work requests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I? I'm trying to get it. to you. Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't give myself room to think it's, and this might be ego. I don't ever be thinking it's my fault. <laughs> Oh my god! Be thinking it's my fault. Like, hey, why are you not talking to me? <laughs> now, I I don't be thinking it's me either, but I just be having to check. You know, I, I'm really. Not- <laughs> but that, that but I don't want to paint myself as this like it's it's never my fault. If if when I bring it up, because I do recognize that not a lot of people are good with confrontation. I don't consider confrontation a negative thing. Correct. Same. It's, it can be if it's not approached with care, but I'm genuinely always trying to approach it with care. So if Mm -hmm. I'm coming to the person, I'm not coming at them aggressively, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm not. And if they say to me, well, actually, I feel like you are putting a lot of pressure on me. Okay. Fair. Mm -hmm. Fair. Mm -hmm. I didn't like hearing it, but fair. Okay. (laughs) So what, what mechanisms can we put in place to release that pressure? What can I take off your plate? What can I help with? How can we maneuver mm-hmm. this? And that willingness to be vulnerable and hear that kind of that kind of thing, I think makes for better work relationships for sure. I think it makes for better all relationships, but for sure. But it has definitely created dynamics in my workplace that people feel comfortable coming to me mm-hmm. about yeah. things. Yeah. 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 I've I've been working on addressing things more upfront. I don't typically let things build up too much, but there is some, there can be an avoidance for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so now because I can let things build up and usually if they build up, I'm not, I'm not one to like be impulsive and, and lead with anger, but it will get to a point of, all right, clearly something's going on. So what's, what's going on? But I, I try to give enough room to, to evaluate before I respond, but I've been working on being a little bit more proactive with processing and then saying something versus letting things build up. Cause they can yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, but it's also interesting. It is, but I'm gonna, I want to give this last little bit because we, we're talking about closure. The question is, do relationships without closure linger longer than those that have closure? But they also presented this other side of closure when with regard to happiness mm. and how if we're saying that closure and negative events or whatever it is, you know, certain dynamics where your emotions are bubbling, you're having a hard time regulating those things, closure helps you to come back to this homeostasis within yourself, Mm -hmm. then that would mean that if something joyful happens or a happy occasion is, uh, you're participating in a happy occasion, the moment it's over, that means that you have closure on on the joy and happiness. And no one wants closure on joy and happiness, like Mike Mon said. Mm -hmm. And I really like that concept of applying closure even to happiness and that the exact opposite leaving things open, open-ended with regard to joyful or happy experiences or gifts or whatever it is, brings about more joy. Like you don't want to have mm. closure as much mm-hmm. in happy and joyous environments. What did you think about that part of the conversation? I thought it was really interesting. And as you were talking, I was I was wondering like, is it closure on the happiness or is it more so closure about the event that you experienced the happiness in, right? So like if you go to a party, it was great. It was fun. It's the closure of that. 
but I still have the feeling I would like to experience that again, but maybe just in a different environment, right? So like the experience overall was great. It was exciting. I would like to experience it again, but maybe in a different environment, in a different setting that still reflects the happiness, the joy. But I would challenge that just that desire to experience again is is it closing to the current happiness that you have. I think- Mm. If you're looking to the next time you could feel away, it's already starting to close the current experience that you're okay. having. And I think okay. that's the point, right? Like it doesn't happen just like that, <laughs> but yeah. happiness is something you have to maintain. So for sure, the, one of the examples they brought up was like the idea of secret admirers, not mm. knowing who, Ooh, yeah. who was the person that gave you this it just has this prolonged experience of joy and happiness and all these things. And the moment you do know, it's like, oh, so-and-so said that. And I would mm. be so curious to understand the psychology of why a secret admirer is, has a longer lasting effect on our joy and you know happy feelings mm. than knowing mm. the person who did it. it ass- assuming you don't hate the person who did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's so interesting to me. Yeah. Because I love the story. I think it's a children's book yeah, yeah. that he gave the example to. I don't know. I wonder if, if it's just like the romanticized concept of secret admirers. Like, who is it? Yeah. Right. So I'm going to, it almost becomes performative, right? Like, okay, am I going to walk past this person? How should I walk? How should I present myself? You know? Yeah. But I don't know. I've not really experienced a secret admirer like that, but it seems fun. <laughs> the perfect example they gave was with the carnations. In, yeah. in school, like for the Valentine thing. And I would get those and you didn't know who gave it to you. So for yeah. that whole day, you're like, oh my God, who gave me yeah. these carnations? <laughs> yeah. But um, I, in mm. that case, I think if I did know, it would be like, this is awkward. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I don't like I you. Guess, <laughs> right. I guess I wonder, and I, I pro- I'm probably losing my thought process here, but like the idea of, it being a secret means it's ongoing, mm-hmm. right? If somebody keeps the secret, then you'll never know, right? So if the secret admirer stays a secret admirer. But that's the point. I think, I think There's no closure. So right. in, yeah. in happy and joyous experiences, the idea is we don't want closure for that. We want okay. things to be open-ended, no resolution. Okay. Let us just bask in this, you know, feeling until maybe the mm-hmm. next feeling. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting because I literally never thought about it that way because no, you don't want joyful feelings Mm -mm. to go away. So you don't Mm -mm. want closure for these things. But you know what? I just realized this. That's kind of the experience that everybody, if you're on social around the holidays and people are talking about right after Christmas, it's like a hard drop off. It's because there's closure. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Because it's done. We spent an entire season being the best versions of ourselves possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this was joyous. Everybody's bright and happy and loving and cozy and giving Mm. and all of these things. And then the ideal version of you has no purpose anymore. It has no thing to keep it going. Mm. So that means, listener, create the joy that you want to experience Mm -hmm. versus reserving it for a certain period of your life. Hmm. Yeah. Mic drop. There should be no closure on hitting your ideal of yourself or like the things that you want to experience. Mm -hmm. How fitting is this? Because what's my word for the year, honey? Come on. (laughs) Pleasure. Come on. Absolutely. (laughs) And mine is abundance, right? Look at that. So like, 
big and collabs. And of pleasure. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I love this. Yes. It was so good. This was such a good podcast. So, I mean, we're also on Pie Club. We are introducing new segments. We're trying this thing out, right? This is our first podcast together. We killing it. It's a lot yep. of fun. And is. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're also trying out segments and things like that to, to kind of mimic some of our favorite podcasts where they also hold your hand so mm-hmm. you can be properly guided or shepherded through the podcast experience. So our very first segment that we have on this podcast will be called A Moment in Pod where Brittany and I share our favorite moments on the podcast we're discussing. So Brittany, you're up first. Ah, so much pressure. What was my favorite moment Mm -hmm. in No Stupid Questions? My favorite moment, and hopefully I didn't take yours. My favorite moment is the psychological immune system because that was like a ding, ding, ding. That's a term that I want to use because it got me to think a little bit deeper on how I want to introduce it to my clients and to myself, Mm -hmm. really. Uh, so that was my favorite moment because I never would have thought about it in that way. I've explained it around it, but I never used those words specifically. Yeah. So that was my my favorite moment. That was my light bulb moment. Yeah. What was yours? Um, yeah, you did take mine. So. Ah, damn it. <laughs> but I mean, that's a given. It was such a good, it was a, it's an obvious statement that yeah. you just didn't think about before. Like that's the perfect way to describe it. But that, that was my favorite learning and talking through the uh, psychological immune system. But I like also the fact checking and toward the end, the listener letter or the listener audio from previous episodes. Yeah. Those were really good. So we won't give you too much. We had the same favorite moment. So um, <laughs> it is what it is. But in No Stupid Questions, they do fact checks at the end, which is really nice. And they have audio from listener call-ins regarding past episodes. So mm-hmm. um, they invite their listener to tell their stories of closure or lack mm-hmm. thereof. But this was a really good one. I loved that closure was reframed to talk about tasks that you have, putting closure to tasks, talk about how you know, closure helps you and your psychological immune system, how we might not want closure in happy and joyous occasions. And I, I think that's that was a fun way to open up my idea of closure because I absolutely went into it pretty one-dimensionally. Mm. But now I'm going to be thinking about closure across almost every area of life. Because I do feel good when I check things off a list. Hello. Scratch it out, strike it through. Isn't that funny, though, (laughs) how you know what closure is? And obviously it applies to so many other things other than relationships. But, like, you just don't think about it. When I'm checking off a list, duh, yeah, that is closure. But I just don't think Mm -hmm. of it that way. No, not at all. Yeah. We just just do it. Yeah. But (laughs) would you say it's fair to say that we all need closure? Just depends on the circumstance. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even depending on the circumstance, you might have to create your own. And that's that on that. (laughs) so listener you don't have to worry about a lack of closure from us because we declare this meeting of pod club closed check out no stupid questions do you need closure and let us know what you think if you enjoyed what you heard make sure you rate and subscribe to pod club on apple spotify and audible five star reviews only y'all please do not play Email us at podclub.podcast at gmail or send a voicemail to 832-919-8075 to give your take on topics discussed or to suggest some podcasts for us to listen to. And don't forget the socials. We are podclub.podcast on all the socials. That's all for this week. Tune in Tuesday. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Bye.